You have the American dream. You own your own business. But owning a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visioneer, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for helping Small Business Celebration reach a significant milestone. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why. 1,750 plus small business owners, partners, general managers, presidents, and CEOs connect with Small Business Celebration on a weekly basis. When you consider Kern County has just over 10,000 small businesses, 1,750 plus weekly connections is a big deal. We want to thank the tremendous content that our Visioneer guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioneer Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. And today we are in the office of Jeannie Bertolaccini here at the Ordiz Melby Architects here in Bakersfield, California. And welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you for having me. And for our listeners, tell us what Ordiz Melby does. We are a full-service architectural firm mm -hmm. uh, practicing architecture for all of Kern County, educational healthcare, and commercial markets. And what do you do here yourself with Ordiz Melby? I am the newest principal here at Ordiz Melby. We've had two founders that started the company over 25 years ago. And who are they? Danny Ordiz and Bill Melby. Uh -huh. And they started working on their transition plan for the firm about three or four years ago. We started leadership classes and um, I am the refer first result of the leadership classes and been promoted about, well, last September I became principal. And this is something that's very key and very important because for our longtime listeners, especially if you la listen to last week's episode, we talked about succession planning a little bit and the importance of determining as a business owner how you're going to let your business continue on. One of the great things about Jeannie here is she is a prime example of what other business owners can do with their businesses. They can set up a, a training program, a planning system, where they can have other younger, brighter individuals come and take over the company business when the founders wish to retire, move on, or choose a different project. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, when you were young, growing up on the east side of Bakersfield, <laughs> did you ever plan on being an architect? I did. I was in fifth grade, started watching The Brady Bunch. I used to watch it three times a day. Mm -hmm. And if you're a fan, you know that Mr. Brady was an architect. Ah. And he worked out of his house. In many episodes, they had him at his drafting table. And his son, Greg, would deliver plans. And that inspired me. So... Lucky for me, in seventh grade, when I went to Washington Junior High, they offered drafting as a class. So I took drafting from seventh and eighth grade, the only girl in the class, and got picked on quite a bit, but <laughs> I stuck with it. 
Yeah, and then high school, I, again, lucky that East High offered drafting as an elective and took it from my freshman year all the way through my senior year, exceeded the program. So my mm. senior year, they were having to come up with work for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. And, and again, I was always the only girl in the class. And eventually the guys quit picking on me. They knew that I can had all the answers or, or could work on my own without, you know, without needing the help of the men. so And, and went through and actually, in many cases, designed better than they could. <laughs> I'd like to say that. <laughs> One of the other points of your career that I wanted to also touch on is that you worked your way up from the very bottom here at Ordiz Melby to become one of the, the now owners right. of Ordiz Melby. Right. And did you have, and what kind of formal education did you have in becoming an architect? Well, first of all, I'm very lucky that California is the only state that you do not have to have a five-year degree Hmm. to become an architect. A lot of tests are involved. So right out of high school, I went to a technical school in Phoenix, Arizona, Mm -hmm. and studied architecture. Which one did you go to? It was through National Education Center. Mm -hmm. Um, Got my associate's degree and started working. Actually, I worked my way through school mm-hmm. doing with the drafting service, doing food service design, mm-hmm. and stayed in Phoenix for about 10 years after I graduated and uh, got married. And once we had our first baby, we decided to move home to Bakersfield. And I worked for the county for 10 years um, in construction services. Then I left there and went to Castle and Cook, worked there for almost three years. And 13 years ago, I started here at Ordiz Moby. This is a very fascinating, at least to me, a very fascinating growth because you didn't have a formal education. And, you know, when people think of architects, they think of, you know, you having to go to some fantastic university. And you worked your way up from the very bottom to the point that you are now one of the owners of the business of the company. How has your perspective taking that growth, taking that road, been different than those who have been formally educated from university? It's very hard to do it the way I did it. Mm. There's not too many of us that that do it without the degree. Um, I tested for about 14 years, so that mm. tells you that it wasn't easy. The, the, the test... The exam process changed over that period of time. Mm -hmm. So at one point, I had five exams that I had passed that expired, and all five went away. (laughs) And I had to essentially start all over with the testing process. And during that time, I was a mom of three. So it it was a process. If I was studying, I felt guilty that I wasn't spending time with my kids. And if I was spending time with my kids, I felt guilty that I wasn't studying. So... Um, once I passed, it was wonderful to just, my time is my own and, and I was able to focus on work and then growing into the architect that I am today. For those listeners who faced that challenge that you overcame or went through, I should say is actually better of trying to determine career versus family, because this is not something that is new. And this is something that a lot of women and some men struggle with when they're going through their careers and let alone owning a business. What were some of the things that you learned from that experience of juggling children and a career at the same time? You have to want it. Mm. Um, There's definitely sacrifices on, on both ends, but I wanted it. There were times where I questioned if maybe I could do this without a license because I could continue to work here and work on projects and design but not be able to call myself an architect. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, I decided that it was my dream. I had just wanted this from the time I was in fifth grade, and so I stuck with it and changed my habits. I had to change the way I studied mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't fail tests anymore. <laughs> but I, um, I am very lucky that I have two mentors, Bill and Danny, here that saw something in me, and you know they told me if you get your license, things will change. And I worked really hard to do that. And my kids are proud of me. That was the other thing. I mm. felt if I gave up on my dream, my kids all knew what I was working towards, and I didn't want my kids to think that it was okay to give up on your dreams. So mm. they're very proud of me. I get a little choked up because <laughs> I'm proud of me. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's my whole world has changed once I got a license. I mean, with I love to talk to children in school and let them know don't do it my way. I encourage them to go to school if they can, but not mm-hmm. everybody can. Right. I was raised by a single mom, and I don't think I had that the same opportunity, or at least I wasn't aware of the opportunities for um, low-income uh, graduates to attend college. So I did what I could. Like I said, went to Phoenix, and I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I it, it doesn't go away. I never forget that I don't have a degree. You know, mm-hmm. it comes up in conversations, but um, I, I I wouldn't change my path. It's it's been it's been a long road, but I've learned a lot, and I can talk to kids about it and t- tell them it's okay if you fail. Mm-hmm. You just keep going. <laughs> Attracting and retaining quality talent is a challenge in today's labor market. Those of us who own or run a small business know that we have limited resources, and each and every employee we hire is critical to the success of our business. But how do we attract and keep such a critical resource? Terry Denisha at Denisha Insurance Agency has a free guide at Benefitsology.net that can give you the information you need to attract and keep quality talent. Learn the benefits you can use to attract top talent for your business at Benefitsology.net. Act on the best value for you and your employees at Benefitsology.net. Win with the best employees in your industry from Benefitsology.net. Go to Benefitsology today. We're here with Jeannie Berlaccini of Ordee's Melby. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about and that you brought up is habits. The habits that you changed when you were studying so that you did no longer failed and started winning or started passing your tests. What skill sets did you change or what, what habits did you change so that you could become successful and pass the tests that continue to impact what you do for here at Ordiz Melby? I had to treat my studying like a class. I calendared it. I had to set time aside before I would say I'm going to study tonight and it might get late 9:30 after dinner and everybody had baths and I'd be well I only have an hour I'm not going to study hmm. I'll wait till tomorrow but I realized that I had to touch it each time I said I was going to touch it and even if it only meant 30 minutes of studying it was something hmm. that got inside my brain so that the next day when I went to touch it again, it would still be there. So I really forced myself to study diligently and stick to a program that I could live with. I also gave myself a day off, you know, where I didn't. But I found, to be honest, I I made studying my hobby, which I'm not sure I would encourage too many people to do, but I had flashcards. And and why, why wouldn't you encourage studying to be a habit? There's so much more, you know, but I I had to, if I wanted to finish, 
I had to make this be my thing. And I, I used to do CrossFit, and I decided mm. if I can get up at 4.45 in the morning to do CrossFit, then I could do it to study. So I decided I can't work on my body and my brain at the same time. <laughs> Some people can. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> so sure. I chose my brain and I, I quit working out and used that time every morning. I would get up and study because it's. I realized that nothing gets in the way at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Everything can get in the way in the evening after mm-hmm. dinner. You know, there's a show or somebody needs something. But five o'clock in the morning, it's all up to you just to get up out of bed. The hardest part is getting out of bed. Mm. Once you're out of bed. I, you know, I go in my office, shut the door and get an hour and a half every day before work. So yeah, it, I had flashcards when me and my daughter would be driving somewhere, she'd do the flashcards with me. Um, I, I found every opportunity I could. I had audio of the material. So Mm -hmm. when I would drive into work, I'd play the audio. Even my drive to work is only 15 minutes, but it was every little bit I could get where I wouldn't feel guilty doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I studied. (laughs) And how did those habits continue over now that you're here and running the business? Well, work is now my new hobby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just love what I do. I mean, Mm. I love architecture. I love being part of the process of seeing something start from a client's idea, something Mm. in their head, and watching it get to paper and get to the model that we do in 3D and then start construction and and then the owners get to walk through it. So I it's really hard for me now to turn work off. Mm-hmm. I um I'm I'm here late. I come in on weekends. The leadership process that the transition that we're going through mm-hmm. um I feel like I'm just a sponge these days. I, I you know, the, your podcasts and I listen to other architectural podcasts, entrepreneur uh, podcasts that have nothing to do with architecture, but it all motivates me and mm. just learning about, you know, how to keep a staff, how to attract and retain, um, how to be a good leader. That's the biggest thing. You know, I, I don't have a background in this. Mm-hmm. And Bill and Danny have done such a great job with the firm over these 25 years. And so I, I want to do them proud. And I want to I be an even better leader if I can and make sure that my staff, you know, wants to um, work with me through these next few years. In addition to yourself, are there any other people in the training program? Yeah, we have two more in our office. So we started the leadership classes with with seven people, Mm -hmm. and it was those of us that were interested in being leaders. And Bill and Danny worked out a program of um, different topics, and they assigned homework, but they were things like staffing and marketing and business sectors. It it wasn't architecture. Mm -hmm. You know, it was all business-related. And at the end of, I think, a year and a half, I think they could see who who had that quality and, and who wanted it. And so I was the first promotion, and we've got two more that are now associates, and we're still working through that transition. And, and there'll be three of us. By the time Bill and Danny retired, there'll be three of us in, in the new new owners of Ordi Smelby. A whole training program to learn the business of business. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As an architect, primarily, and you started out as an employee, and then you worked your way up into business ownership, what are the major differences that you have worked through or seen or felt or done 
in that transition from being an employee and coming in nine to five Monday through Friday. And now that you're the business owner that you see differently about the same business. Wow. I think it's the, everything matters now, you know, (laughs) I, I, I didn't, you know, I came in at eight and took my one hour lunch and went home at five and I didn't think a whole lot about work after that. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I get here as soon as I can. And most of the time it's before eight and I struggle to leave sometimes even at seven. It's like, I don't want to leave anything. I want to leave my inbox on my email empty. I don't Mm -hmm. like to leave emails not read, but um, everything matters. And and it's up to it's up to us leaders in the firm to keep everybody employed. You mm-hmm. know, if if we don't get that next project, what's everybody going to work on? So that that's the biggest thing is making sure that we get enough projects to keep the staff that we have. And you know, we'd love to grow the business, but you know, it takes projects to do that, and it's it's competitive out there. You've got LA firms trying to get into our territory and. Um, that's just the way it is. I mean, mm-hmm. but we, we compete for every project we get. We have to go on an interview and show them what we can do for them and sell um, our services and and show them past projects that relate to the type of project they want. And and we get some and we don't get others. But that's, that's the business. <laughs> One of the things that I noticed that you're also involved is is that you are also like I, a fellow Toastmaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're a member of of Soul Masters here Correct. in Bakersfield. Did your experience in Toastmasters help you with your presentation capabilities in presenting new projects that you were bidding on for clients and customers? Tremendously. Mm. I was a big word filler. I used um a lot. I I am not there yet. I've <laughs> improved greatly, but I have a ways to go. But communication is a big part of what we do in architecture. We we have to explain our creation to the client, our mm. design. So we can do that through pictures, but you still have to use words. When I select finishes for the projects, we have to present that. We do color boards and we show the client and we have to explain this is the carpet that goes in this room this is the tile that goes in this room so we um, communication is big for what we do and when I talk to young high schoolers and they ask what can I do to prepare myself if I want to be an architect someday I'm like you're young start working on your communication skills (laughs) Uh, especially now as a leader I find I'm in front of people talking often Mm -hmm. Uh, and so learning the to remove the bad habits um, is good so Toastmasters is helping I don't plan to quit I'm still there I'm still trying to learn and improve and and get better for those of you who don't know this podcast started out as a Toastmasters project (laughs) and so who knows maybe you'll actually go through and do a podcast (laughs) project yourself As a small business owner, you are a visioneer, a pioneer with vision. But sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. You know where you want to go, you know what you want to do and have, but you need a confidential second set of eyes to help you get there. Small Business Celebration can be those eyes. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session. See the forest through the trees, realize your vision. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session today. 
We're here with Jeannie Bertolaccini of Ordiz Melby, and I want to ask you uh, some questions that I've received from some of our business owner ladies who listen to our podcast, and I probably screwed that up something fierce, but <laughs> you get the point. One of the questions that has come up is that there seems to be a different set of rules for women who are business leaders than there are for men. And you mentioned earlier as part of your experience growing up that you were the only girl in the drafting class. And you were for a long time the only woman that was one of the architects. And give us a little bit of background on your experiences as as a woman in a very male-dominated business and culture and how that's changing. It is changing, which is a good thing, and it's and it's getting better every day. We have the equal amount, 50-50, of men and women going into architecture schools, or I should say graduating, mm-hmm. but not equal amounts getting their license. And that's because, like we talked about, women are the ones raising their families, and so they don't end up succeeding in the exam process and getting a license. So that's getting better every day mm-hmm. and uh, excited for that because – buildings house men and women Mm -hmm. and so we need women also in the design process of that one of the things you mentioned earlier on in this conversation is that uh, you were the only girl in the class growing up in in the architect and full of room of a room full of boys and how has that affected or influenced your career as an architect and now as a business owner Well, first off, I've learned to work well with men. That's the first (laughs) thing. Um, But I've been very lucky in my career that I never felt like I was treated differently Mm -hmm. as a female than any of the men. Um, There were bosses that I'm not even sure they noticed I was female. So (laughs) I I feel lucky in that regard. I never felt slighted. Mm -hmm. But there were instances, it it was usually the women that, um, that worked in other departments that sort of had gave me more really issues yeah and and that's kind of sad to say because i firmly believe in women lifting women and and um really helping us if if one grows we all grow you mm-hmm. know and so but i i did work at a place that had a lot of females we were a, a department and of course i worked with a lot of men in my department and mm-hmm. so i was hearing things that that, that i just like to hang out with the men but mm-hmm. it's like no these are these are my people. These right. are, the, you know, and eventually they figured that out. Uh-huh. You know, eventually they realized, oh, she's just not trying to hang out with the guys. Those are, that's what she does. That's what, you know, this is our department. So it, it all works itself out. But yeah, I, I don't like when I see women bashing other women. And I think that's getting better. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I hope, I hope that's just not wishful thinking, but I, I think it's getting better. And, and in this professional world, you know, of the last couple of years, I've started expanding out into parts of the community and getting more involved. And, and I've just been so impressed with the women and it, people will introduce me in some way that just really impresses me. And it's, it's another female. And I'm like, wow, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to get used to that. And, and hopefully I do the same. I never want to um, not encourage women to grow. And I, I try to give women high five when I see them doing something good. So, And speaking of influencing uh, women for the future, you're very involved in STEM projects. And for our listeners who don't know what STEM stands for, uh, tell us a little bit about what STEM stands for and what is it does and why you're so involved with it. 
STEM is um, science, technology, engineering, and math, and uh-huh. it's very big in, in elementary through high school now. And part of what I just kind of started doing in my mentorship is realizing that we need to encourage girls to stick with these STEM careers. And I realized for me in junior high, I wanted to be an architect. But what happens with most girls, they have these ideas, whether it's architect or an engineer or, um, you know, a scientist or something, they have those dreams in elementary and junior high. And then they get to high school and they start losing it and they realize that, oh, that's a boy job, Mm. you know. And so they start looking at careers that are more female oriented or, or least, dominated or at least that they perceive it to be more female yeah and so so we started i'm i'm part of kern county women in stem and and that's part of kern economic development foundation mm-hmm. and we really felt that reaching these girls at junior high to keep them interested in STEM careers. And I would love for all of them to become architects, but I realize that's not going to happen. But every career that's out there, you know, any kind of engineering and scientist um, career needs men and women in those fields. If it's all men, women don't have a say. You know, we're living in buildings. We're using um, electronics. You know, it has to be adaptable for men and women, not just women. So uh, I'm part of the Button Willow Girls Mentoring. So we mentor fifth through seventh grade girls at Button Willow Elementary. And so encouraging them to be whatever they want to be. There is no uh, girl job and boy job anymore. And I also mentor at Independence High School, um, sophomore through seniors, and I've done that for three years now, and um, I got one architect out of it. She's <laughs> she's starting architecture school this fall. Um, but they're all doing different things, but it's all STEM career uh, job related. A long way from uh, a, woman, a girl from the east side who now has a certificate of recognition from the California State Assembly on her wall. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm very involved in um, American Institute of Architects, our local AIA chapter. That's what that certificate is from. But mm-hmm. I'm uh, this year's past president, which means I was president last year. And mm-hmm. very proud to say that we celebrated our 40th anniversary last year. And in that, I realized out of 40 years, I was the sixth female president, which wow. I'm glad there were six, but it could have been 2020, something like that. But um, I was also the first Hispanic female architect president. So another thing I'm very proud of, there's there's actually only two female Hispanic architects here in Kern County now. Wow. So. In all of Kern County, there's only two. Yeah. I was the first, and we got another one about a year ago. So Things are growing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that you mentioned prior to our conversation here that I thought was very insightful is your approach to social media and that you you make a point of having a policy of no politics or religion on social media. Yes. And there's a lot of business owners who struggle with this because some are very passionate about their faith and very passionate about their political point of view. And why is it that you intentionally do not talk about politics and religion on social media? It's just two topics that are very personal. And mm-hmm. I never want to offend anybody. If you like someone's post, then somebody else who doesn't agree 
we'll see that. So I just, you know, I don't want to get in arguments, and that's politics, you know, will <laughs> lead to arguments even mm-hmm. in my house. My husband and I are two different partisans. Oh. So we we try not to even talk politics at home because it'll end up in an argument. But yeah, I just I think that social media is not a place for um, for pushing your own beliefs, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just like to I, I I I don't post on it, I don't comment, and I don't like. But I, I have my own thoughts, and and I keep them to myself. <laughs> Through your travels as an employee. At, here at Ordiz Melby, and now that you're now one of the one of the owners of the company, you've discovered a lot of different things. But what is a, a an event that has happened in your career path, or as sometimes I refer to as your favorite failure, that you have learned from that sticks in the back of your mind and helps you guide your decision making process as you now are a business owner. It's got to be my testing process. You know, I would have loved to pass every test the first time and be done with it in two years, but I spent a lot of time studying and retaking tests and struggling and, like I said, fighting between how I spend my weekends. And and now I'm able to pass that on to younger folks who are beginning their testing process, and I can speak to that. Mm-hmm. I think that had I past everything really quick there would be not much to say other than yeah go do it but I can talk to what it means mentally to get back in there and fight and basically every test I spent two months studying for so if I failed it was two months wasted Mm -hmm. and um but yeah, I think that I, I I love that I have that story now to talk to young people and say number one, do it before you have kids. <laughs> but number two, when you're gonna if you're gonna invest the time, make it a priority and get it done. And don't worry if you fall, you can get back up. For Visioneer Nation, what is one thing that a Visioneer business owner can learn and use today to help them grow a strong and profitable business? What I've learned over the last couple of years with my leadership is relationships are very important. And mm. so I've spent the last couple of years, actually I'm realizing I've spent my lifetime building relationships and uh, it, it, it all helps you in your business, even though you don't realize or you don't know that certain relationships do. I mean, especially this community, it's such a small community. Everybody knows each other. And um, so it, yeah, relationships are key. I, you know, I would say definitely get out there and connect network and, and um, make some meaningful relationships. Well, Jeannie, this has been a real pleasure. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, you can find me here at Ordee's Melby at 5500 Ming, right next door to Olive Garden. Our website is ordeesmelby.com. And how do you spell Ordee's Melby? That's O-R-D as in dog, <laughs> I-Z-M-E-L-B-Y. Or you can email me at jbertolaccini, my last name, B-E-R-T-O-L-A-C-C-I-N-I at ordeesmelby.com. Jeannie, thank you for being on the Small Business Celebration Podcast and sharing your wisdom and insight, and we truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Attracting and retaining quality talent is a challenge in today's labor market. 
Those of us who own or run a small business know that we have limited resources, and each and every employee we hire is critical to the success of our business. But how do we attract and keep such a critical resource? Terry Denisha at Denisha Insurance Agency has a free guide at Benefitsology.net that can give you the information you need to attract and keep quality talent. Learn the benefits you can use to attract top talent for your business at Benefitsology.net. Act on the best value for you and your employees at Benefitsology.net. Win with the best employees in your industry from Benefitsology.net. Go to Benefitsology today. I've been asked, who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I am your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.